Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. Join Shelley and Tracy on this installment of Shelf Absorbed as they discuss what they've recently read and if one of them has started appreciating rereads. So, stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of Stacks and Stories. My name is Shelley, and I am here with Tracy. And as you may know, we do a little ditty called <laughs> Shelf Absorbed, and we haven't done one for a while. We really haven't. I think it was January. I know, and that's sad. So many books between January and yeah. now. So in this episode, we're going to just talk about the books that we've read recently, mm-hmm. and um, we think that'll be fun. You know, and and if it's not, we we will just pretend it is. <laughs> <laughs> Our next episode is going to have a theme. Yes, we are cooking up something yeah. pretty saucy we're for already, September. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're already planning our saucy theme. Yeah. You'll <laughs> but, have to just. But don't get too excited. We yeah, don't want the expectation to be super high. Right. Do you want to share what your first title? That sure. I am going to uh, share a book that I read over the weekend. It is Trust by Hernan Diaz. I have wanted to read that book. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what this book was about. The cover, the title, I just, I didn't get it. But what it is, is amazing. So first, if you have listened to this before, you know that my one of my favorite things is a lost manuscript, a book within a book, that kind of thing. Well, guess what? Trust is for books. So we first read Bonds by Harold Vanner, which is about uh, this, uh, you know, wealthy magnet, magnate, whatever you pronounce that word, um, guy, and how he rose to, you know, we got all this money and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of single-handedly might have caused the crash of 1929, you know, the stock market Single-handedly? Crash. Yeah. Okay. And then his wife is this way and that way, and then she ends up, her father was, uh, had some kind of mania and was in this uh, Swiss institution, and then he ran away and they never heard from him again. And anyway, she descends into the same psychosis. Okay, so that, that's trust. Okay. All right. Then we come to My Life by Andrew Bevel. And it is a kind of weirdly written memoir in progress by a guy who Bonds by Harold Vanner was clearly based on. And he is apparently this person Andrew is telling his side of the story, okay? okay. But, but it also has things like, more about this later, or add something, da-da-da. Like, it's obviously notes from okay. the memoir. Then we get to A Memoir Remembered by Ida Partenza, and she was the woman Andrew Bevel hired to basically be his ghostwriter to write his memoir. He was so angry about bonds the first novel because everyone was reading it in new york everyone knew it was about him so he wanted to set the record straight he didn't cause the crash he he's just really smart blah 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 and it's it's like 50 years later and ida is a writer for the new yorker and she's 70 years old and she's looking back at this time in the early 30s when she was working for andrew bevel and then the last one i'm going to keep a secret 
Okay, is it hard to follow? Oh, absolutely not. You're, okay. you're a it's four sections. Okay. It's not going back and forth at all. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, no, you read, you are in it with, what is his first name? It's the Rask family in the novel part. And the novel is really like the, uh, the longest part of the book. And so when the New Yorker writer is trying to put it together, you know, she reads the novel at, you know, when she's like 23 and she's mm -hmm. hired by this guy and she's like, he had to, whoever wrote this had to know them. He had to have some access. And so she tries to like solve the mystery of which parts are true and which parts are false. And she doesn't until the mm. kind of the end of the book. So it what was. What kind of a genre would you put this book under? Mm. Over. I would, I would just call it literary fiction. Okay. I am a huge fan of weird narratives and mm -hmm. what is the truth and unreliable narrators. Yeah. I, that is my jam. I just love a, I mean, it's a really interesting format. And when I saw it was like that, I was like, oh my gosh, I will probably love this book even if I don't care anything about the characters. But it was well-written without being too well-written, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And the fact that the styles were so different in each of the voices of the four books yeah. really and it just won the Pulitzer Prize. I was just gonna say and we have to say that it's yeah and that's why I picked it up yeah. I was like okay you know of all of the like major awards the Pulitzer is usually the one that is the most readable mm -hmm. you know a visit yeah. from the Goon Squad is it from the Goon Squad or visit to the Goon I think it's from okay from the Goon anyway squad. that that is a very readable book mm -hmm. it is not like lofty and intellectual mm -hmm. yeah and I think the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay yeah. also won Pulitzer Prize and that's such a great book mm -hmm. um, and very readable very readable and this really was too and I I ate it I just well, you read it in a weekend. I did. I started reading it. And it's a good-sized book. It is. It's 400 pages. Yeah. So I really started reading in earnest, I think, Saturday morning. And mm -hmm. I finished it yesterday afternoon. So anyway, I it was great. I loved it. I didn't expect to love it, but I really did. Well, I did not read a Pulitzer-winning book. <laughs> This weekend. That's all right. You know what? There aren't that many to choose from anyway. Well, so usually my genre that is my go-to is like thrillers and mysteries. And I noticed that recently, well, in the past couple months, I've been kind of getting away from that. So you know those books, and I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that they're not usually my go-to. Those rom-com books. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly with what With cover those covers. Like. Yep. I don't know how to describe those covers. They are like they've got simple illustrations. Yes. And yes. they're um, very colorful. You know them right away yes. when you see them. Okay. I'm it's more like the silhouettes of people yes. than actual yes. faces. So I read one of those because I felt like I needed kind of a break. Mm -hmm. So I read one and I enjoyed it. And it's called Gigi Listening by Chantel Gurton. And it is one of those cute rom-com books. And it is about a woman named Gigi. And she owns a bookstore. And get this. It only sells romance books. Oh, I love that. Uh, there, there's one in um, 
is it in San Francisco, maybe? That only sells romance books. Yes, and it's called, like, The Lacy Bodice or something like that. I can't remember. The Ripped Bodice. Oh, yeah. This is, I can't remember the name of her bookstore. It is something cutesy, too, but I can't remember. Anyway, so, Gigi has been, this is cute. There's a lot of cutesy stuff in here, and I did, I listened to it, and I did roll my eyes a lot, but I still enjoyed it. Okay, so Gigi has been listening to this audiobook. So on the cover, it shows her with headphones on. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what drew me to this one because I thought, well, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And this is something about someone who has fallen in love with audiobooks. But in particular, she's fallen in love with a narrator of, audio, of one particular audiobook. So Gigi has fallen in love with a narrator of one particular audiobook. And the name of the man that reads the audiobook, his name is Zane. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Perfect for a... Uh... That is his given name. That's his real name. He has a last name, but I don't and remember. And can you explain why that is perfect and hilarious? Well, because there's an author named Zane, only one name, mm-hmm. and Zane writes very racy books. Yeah, very spicy. Very sexual books so anyway Gigi has fallen in love with his voice and she is convinced that Zane is her soulmate so not only is she in love with him she really thinks he is her soulmate Zane's family because she's done some research on Zane and he's listen he's only narrated one book Hmm. and she listens to it over and over and this book in particular is a book that her parents it somehow brought her parents together. There's a whole backstory. And her parents are both dead. They died in a tragic accident, mm-hmm. but that's a whole another story. Zane's family, they own a tourist company in England. It's a bus tour company. And Gigi's birthday is coming up. And guess what her friends get her? A ticket to this bus tour and a ticket to England to go on this tour. And because of Zane? Because of Zane. And Zane How is, do I get a, to be a part of this friend group? And Zane is going to be the tour guide. So she's finally going to meet the man that is her soulmate. So she goes there, and without giving too much away, but a little bit just to, just to whet your appetite, there's lots of crazy characters on the bus tour, which I fall in love with. But at, when she gets there, Zane has an unexpected family emergency, and he's not the tour guide. Oh, my gosh. How disappointing. I know, and she's very upset. But there is a very attractive bus driver, and his name is Taj. Ooh. But... Guess what? Gigi and Taj don't get along, and she dislikes him right away. I bet you can guess what happens, but I won't say it. Anyway, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed taking a break from my regular thrillers and mysteries. I'm not going to say that these rom-coms are going to be my go-to, but I really did enjoy this book. You know what? Sometimes you need a palate cleanser yeah. from all that like murder and yeah. uh, thrilling yeah. 
but it was exactly what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. but it was okay. I mean, I'm fine with that, and I really enjoyed it, and I can see why people like these types of books. Yeah. So, GG listening. And, you know, predictability and a happy ending uh-huh. is, you know? It had a really great happy ending, too. And it was a little, I mean, I expected a happy ending. It had a happy ending, but not in the way I thought it would be. So, a little predictable, but unpredictable. So, I recommend it. So, that was my foray into the rom-com genre. Yeah, it sounds interesting. What else you got, Tracy? Another book that I read earlier this year that I absolutely loved is The Weeds by Katie Simpson-Smith. I've heard about this oh book. Oh my gosh, it's so good. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, of Katie. You know, she's from Jackson mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just, saw her at the book festival. Yeah, you know year. what? She's also just a delightful human being. Mm-hmm. Just, just seems like she I is. just love it. So mm-hmm. this book is about... It's kind of, I I don't know why I find it difficult to explain it, but it has two narrators. You know, when I say, oh, narration that swaps back and forth, there's a a kind of book you're thinking of that does that, and this is not that kind of book. Okay. So in 2018 and in 1854, two women are cataloging the plants that are found in the Roman Colosseum. So in 1854, and, and, you know, the only version of the Roman Colosseum I've ever seen is the big dusty exactly. dust bowl, That's right? That's all I've seen. Yeah. But it was basically a jungle at, at one point, and it, it had all of these different kinds of plants growing in it because there would be animals brought in to, like, maul each other and maul people, you know, mm-hmm. and they were from other places, and they would poop in the Colosseum and the seeds that were well, in their that poop. Well, that makes sense that they that's would. How, that's yeah. how plants get around, yeah. you know? Yeah. So in 1854, there had been other classifications or, or lists of, of the plants. But in 1854, this British botanist named Richard Deacon put out a a, a copy of it. It's called uh, uh, Flora of the Colosseum of Rome. So in 1854, in our book... A woman who is kind of a thief. She likes to sneak into people's houses and steal little things from them. Can I ask a question? Is this book based on um, historical facts? Only the fact that Deacon is a real person. Okay. And that he did publish a flora of the Colosseum okay. of Rome. But it is fiction that our our character okay. is the one gotcha. doing the work. I mean, it could have been a woman. I don't know. Yeah. But she likes to sneak into people's houses and steal things from them. Nothing of value. But one time she broke into someone's house and they had made, let's say, a strawberry cake. And so she took it. And then she went home and she she made like a chocolate cake and snuck back in and put it there. And then they were really confused. <laughs> Just a weird people Just, out. Yeah, yeah, basically. So she has been caught. And as her punishment, she has been basically given over to Richard Deacon to do this work, which requires you to crawl around on your hands and knees in the dusty, hot Coliseum. Uh, yeah. So that's our 1854 one. And then in 2018, there is a woman from Jackson, Mississippi, who is recreating Deacon's flora of the Coliseum of Rome. 
she's comparing, seeing, seeing how many of the 420 species of plants that Deacon found, that Deacon, in quotes, uh-huh. found, gotcha. that she can now find, you know, 150 years later. So you kind of learn about plants, but not really. There's, it's, it's basically like... That's not the focus. It's not the focus. Gotcha. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. Like, I had to pull up because the, the Deacon book is on public domain review because, you know, yeah. it, obviously the copyright ran yeah. out. So I had to pull it up and, like, kind of look at it while I was reading. I don't, I don't necessarily expect everyone to do that kind of nerdy behavior, but sometimes I, would, I just needed to know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to read his introduction. But anyway, so she... The eight, 2018 version, she has a, you know, advisor. She's in getting her PhD, and she has her advisor who is kind of like Deacon. So the two women are doing the real work. They're, they're crawling around. They're getting dirty. Mm-hmm. And the men are the ones who are taking credit for their mm-hmm. work. And mm-hmm. the various ways that these men take advantage of the women and how and the, the types of and levels of abuse that they inflict is really interesting. And then occasionally, between those two narrators, there's, <laughs> I didn't realize who it was at first, but there's like someone who only, it's only in italics. And, and it's, it's different than the rest because the way the book is formatted, it will have like the, the species name you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I can't think of any flower ever. I can't either. I... But anyway, flower word. Yeah. And then there's maybe a paragraph, maybe two, that, that has a little thing about it, either what it looks like or what that person remembers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see a plant name, the narration has flipped and you're with the other character. Huh. It's very easy to read because there's a stopping place on every page, you know, because the narration flips that often. But then occasionally there's another another voice who's always in italics, and I it took me a, like way too long to realize who it was. But it's Deacon, oh, <laughs> just kind of cu- coming in as a ghost and, uh-huh. and giving a little commentary. Anyway, I absolutely loved it, and I was reading this morning about I was checking some things about like what year you know the 1850 whatever, and it was 1854. And one of the descriptions of the book is lush, intoxicating, and teeming with mischief. And that is perfect. That uh, the word lush, I know, is very close to lyrical. And I know that's one of your words. I, you know, lush really isn't. I um, thought I thought lush was something but that you But it should love. be. It sh- I think I might like lush more than lyrical. But it is it is both lush and lyrical. I, I regret to inform Lush you. always makes me pause with, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I think it's that but there's a lot of like plant, there's a lot of plant talk. Okay. You know, and. With that context, I don't mind yeah. it. Like, I, I'm not a, a plant person, really, but the the various uses. Okay, so this also is not, this gives nothing away, but through the more modern narrator, when, when she is crawling around, she gets to a point in Deacon's work where she's like, this doesn't sound like a man writing it. This sounds mm-hmm. like a woman. Because oh. it gets like, she's like, I think she's gone through something. She's had some kind of sorrow. Things are, yeah. things are different in these descriptions. Anyway, I, it, it's, it, I mean, it, that is an interesting format. Again, 
that's kind of my thing. I, mm-hmm. I do love a straight narration, but a little, some kind of like narrative trick, I am a sucker for it. What are the two time periods again? Uh, 2018 and 1854. Okay. And it's, it's very easy to actually, because the language is really different, mm-hmm. you know. This book sounds interesting to me, and I've never read her work before. Mm-hmm. So, I think this is my favorite of hers. Her first book, The Story of Land and Sea, there is something incredibly sad that made me cry my eyes out mm-hmm. about a third of the way in. And then her second book, Free Men, I cried my eyes out even more and then couldn't finish the third, the, the last third of the book because I was crying too hard <laughs> at the end of the second one. But I didn't cry at all. Okay, that's in this good. one, that's um, good. but yes, it was yeah, loved it, loved it, and she'll be at the Mississippi Book Festival. Is she going to be talking about this book? I I suppose so. Uh-huh. I'm not exactly sure what her panel is going to oh, okay. be just yet. Um, she might be the moderator, or yeah, I, I know it might last, be a last conversation. Year she was a moderator. Yeah, I, believe. I think she'll probably be talking about this book though, because it just came out in April. Okay. So well, what else good, is on your list? Know. Well, as you may know which I actually know that you do know. I love historical fiction. Yes. So uh, one of my favorite authors is Fiona Davis. Mm. And I believe I've talked about Fiona Davis before. I feel like I've read a Fiona Davis. Listen, Um, is she like a ladies of World War II? No, she's not. I'm trying to remember. I don't think, no, all her books are set in New York. Oh. She writes about yes. buildings in New York. Is, is, is Carnegie's Maid? Is that one of them? No. Okay, let me not. just. Mm-mm. I'm going to Google no. her. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you can like, keep asking yes. the wrong no. thing. Okay, so her latest book is called The Spectacular, and it is set at Radio City Music Hall. Ooh. Okay, so here Pretty are some... cover, too. Um, yes, it. it's beautiful cover. So all of, like I said, all of her books are set in some historical New York City building. But uh, what I love about her books is that there is always some dual time element to them. There is always some mystery to mm-hmm. them. So... I think I've read all of her books except for one, and I don't know why I haven't read that one, but it's just... Her past books have been set in the Barbizon Hotel, Mm -hmm. the Dakota, Mm -hmm. which is a apartment house in... Well, it was. I don't know what it is now. Grand Central Terminal, which some people refer to as Grand Central Station, Mm -hmm. the Chelsea Hotel, the New York Public Library. Ooh, is that uh, the Lions of Fifth uh-huh. Avenue? Okay. Yeah, and that's a really good one. And then the Frick Museum, which her book is in the Frick Mansion, mm-hmm. which becomes the Frick Museum. But the Spectacular is in Radio City Music Hall, which it is about a young woman who becomes a rockette, and she's 19 years old. And her family is very much against this. They don't think it's a good profession. They think basically they they think it's akin to being a stripper, essentially. Ah. So, but what I like of, about this is that the author, so she'll pair a fictional story with something that really happened. Yes. 
So what happened in the um, 1950s is that there was a bomber called the Big Apple Bomber. Mm. And for many, many years, this person set explosions all over the city. And one actually happened in Radio City Music Hall. And so that is incorporated into the story. And the present day story, without giving too much away, is about this young woman in the present day looking back on her life when she was a young rockette. Anyway, it's a very good story. Fiona Davis does amazing research. So I always feel like I'm learning a Mm -hmm. lot when I read her books. So again, I, I recommend her latest book, The Spectacular. You know, you may not know this about me, but my very first career aspiration was to be a rocket. You've never told me that. Yes. Yeah, okay, I know that you were a ballet dancer, yes. aspiring. Yes, but first thing I ever wanted to do was to be a professional tap dancer. And there are not a lot of gigs for that. No, so there's not. at like five, I was like, you know what? I could be, a, that's like the only job for, yeah. you know, a, a tap dancer. Okay, so you're, you're right. When I read this book, I did, I did some of my own side research on Rockettes. Mm-hmm. And they do have to know a lot of tap. Uh, yeah, you know. They have to know how to do a lot of different types of dancing. And their schedule is very intense, but their window of a career is very short. Yes, it is, which is why I moved on. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, well, according to, to this book, their pay is also not very great. I can imagine. Because, yes. yes, you don't work very long, and no. you don't work... Yeah. So while it's exciting, it's probably not a great career move. I think it would probably be, you know, you probably have to go into it thinking, this is my first career. Yeah. And, and then, then then I'll go be a librarian. Or maybe I'll be, a, you know, I'll do something else with dance. Right. I'll be know. a choreographer. Or yeah, or a choreographer or, or something like that. I didn't know that about yeah. you. That's yeah. So really... when you said Rockette, I was like, ooh, my girls. That's very interesting. <laughs> well... You might enjoy this book. Yeah, I think I will. Because you you, you learn a lot about how they practice mm-hmm. for the about their famous routines. The one about the fallen soldier routine. I don't know if you know about that one. I don't. I didn't know about it either. But, but I, I bet re- you could YouTube a video. Of I it. read about it so much that <laughs> I did watch it on YouTube several times because I I wanted to know what it looked like after hearing about how difficult it was mm-hmm. for her to learn that routine. So anyway, I really enjoyed this book. So. This is a side note about nothing at all. But in my tap dance phase of life, there is a a move that Gene Kelly does where he let's say he sticks out his left leg and then yeah. he jumps over it with his right leg so, so just sitting down you know try to imagine doing does he that. jump over in front of it yes oh. like his legs is look is sticking out yeah and he jumps over it and the leg remains sticking out so anyway I tried this did you fall down I fell like directly down yeah. on my behind like I was so shocked because he looks He's like, he's... He is an amazing tap dancer. He is, and he somehow, like, stands still in the air. When he jumps up, he hangs there for a second, which gives that left, that right leg time to jump over the left. I love his movies. Yes, I love to watch him tap dance. Yes. So, well, that's... 
I'm going to try that in my privacy in my own home. Yeah. You know what? You should try it on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> so if you fall down or in like a ball pit or something. Because I was, I was absolutely shocked when I felt. Um, About how hard, how do you hard know, like, it is. You know, usually when you fall, you're kind of flailing. Yeah. I didn't flail at all. I just you like. just won't. Right down. Just right and down. And I'm sure he makes it look so. Absolutely. Just, flawless yes. and just Super seamless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's so graceful. So. He is. Yes. Yeah. You well, got anything else? I do. Okay. I have another book. It doesn't, oh, it kind of has a weird, a weird format, but it's. You like those weird I really format. do. This is, You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. So. Is this the Maggie Smith? Not Dame Maggie okay. Smith. This is, this is the other one. Okay. Maggie Smith is a poet who wrote this poem that went viral. Like, it, poems don't usually go viral. But her poem is called Good Bones, and you've probably, it kind of makes the rounds after a school shooting or other mm. mass shootings since we have those, you know, on the regular here. Yeah. So this, this is Good Bones. It's not very long. But life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short, and the world is at least half terrible, and for every kind stranger, there is one who would break you, though I keep this from my children. I am trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real hole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. So I don't think I've ever heard that. Well, uh, get on social media after something bad happens, and it—I mm. don't know. I've seen—I've seen it like a bunch, a bunch of times. So she is a poet. This is a memoir that mm-hmm. she's written. She's a poet. Obviously, poets are not exactly uh, household names mm. in modern times. But when this poem took off, it was like read, it, like an episode of NCIS or something. Like I can't even. It's not NCIS. It is some CBS drama. Yeah. Someone read the poem. That is that is very close to being like famous poet, yeah. right? Yeah. It it changed how she kind of the work that she got. Like she was you know, teaching workshops and going to seminars and all of this, which changed the dynamic in her marriage. So you could make this life, this place beautiful is really the story of how she and her husband divorced because he basically couldn't handle that um, she was successful, mm-hmm. that she was away from the house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it ha- it doesn't have like marital dirt necessarily but she really hits upon basically every emotion anyone has ever had when a relationship or a marriage goes bad anyway it's very good and also it it's the chapters are like sometimes it's one sentence sometimes it's two pages sometimes it's half a page we have a copy here we do okay we do but I loved it. She, she, her voice, it, you know, her narrative voice is this really cool, friendly person that you want to be best friends with. And then mm-hmm. after you've read her book, you know, she doesn't necessarily say 
bad things about her ex-husband. But when she, okay, so she has, she has this essay about how she was looking at Google Street View at her house and you mm-hmm. know you can click on yeah. how you can look at the old ones yeah you know yeah, yeah so she was going through the old ones and and like oh we were divorced then no oh, oh, we were still married oh. um there's the recycling that i put at the curb mm-hmm. there's you know this and that and she wrote this essay for modern love at the in the new york times and out of just kind of niceness because they have two children she sent it to him just to like hey heads up and he wrote back he had edits on it. Like he, he crossed out all the places where she was crying. And she was like, I don't know if you, you edited my crying? And I didn't ask you to edit exactly. it either. It was a heads up, pal. Yeah. She changed it, he changed it to say like, instead of the, the recycling bins on the curb, he made it the recycling bins that my husband put on the curb. Like he, okay. he tried to make himself look better. You know what I mean? That's um, so not cool. So you do get, I mean, she and she's telling that story in the book, which, of course, has got to make him just absolutely furious, which is <laughs> a little fun, you know? But, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good book. I'm going to check out this book. Yeah. You've told me about two books that I'm going to check out. Not Trust. No, and you know what's funny is that Trust had been on my list for a long time, my TBR list for a long time. And actually hearing you talk about it took it off my list. <laughs> I'm not going to be, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. It just, it sounds like an interesting book, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like my kind of book. Yeah. So, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah. I'm not going to read that rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you probably shouldn't. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, unless you're a rom-com right. person. Or, you know what? I read, I read one of those books once. It was... It was one, oh, what are those, what's that website with the two girls that make fun of everyone's clothes? I Go not, fug yourself. I don't, I don't look at that. I don't know. You don't remember that? It, like in the, yeah. uh, like 10 years ago, um, and I'm saying F-U-G, everyone. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. it, they would post pictures of celebrities and, and like just, you know, I mean, I've discuss followed, their outfits. I have followed similar sites, but I don't know about that one. Well, the Fug Girls, as uh-huh. they are known, wrote this rom-com about um, a girl who is a, an exchange student, or she, she goes to, you know, Cambridge or whatever, and she ends up dating and marrying a prince who is obviously Prince William. Yeah. It, it was great. It was great. And it's not active anymore. I don't know. I don't know if it's active I, or not. I, I do like sites like that. Yeah. Anything else on your list? Well, I have three books, but they're in a, they're not, I, wanna, I don't want to talk about them individually. I want to talk about what they stand for. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you know when the COVID pandemic happened, a lot of people, a lot of people really like to re-watch television shows that they already seen mm-hmm. because it was something that they knew something right. com- it brought comfort yes. to them and i was thinking about that because in the past month or so i have well maybe two months i have reread three books and i am not a re-reader mm-hmm. and 
I have immensely enjoyed these books. The books I've reread are The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Setterfield. Love that one. I know. And Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. I also reread that. By Judy Loved it. And The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And I did not remember, like, every detail. So some of it was surprising to me but the general feel was I knew what was going to happen I knew what was going on but the level of comfort I felt with the books was akin to all the people that rewatched The Office for the millionth time during Mm -hmm. COVID so I I guess I just want to say that all those times I was like oh I don't want to reread it's horrible I take it back, you know. I've really enjoyed rereading, and I might do some more of it. I reread the Thirteenth Tale because I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the twist. It's because of you that I reread it. Ah, you talked about it yeah. in a podcast not long ago, and I thought, and it's because of the twist. And you couldn't remember what the twist was. I couldn't was. remember what the twist yep. was, so I was like, I'm gonna reread it. As it, it, as it was coming, yes. I was like, wait. I I can't. All the elements are here. And I can't I rem- exactly remember and I what remember, happened. I remember, I think I even texted you about about it as I was, I think I listened to it. I was listening to it. And I was like, okay, is it this? Is it that? <laughs> it's but such a good one. I love that book. Yeah. It is so, and it was so, it was even better the second time around. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I want to say is that there's comfort in rereading that I didn't have before because I guess I was always so adamant that I wanted to spend my time reading quote unquote new books yeah but I've changed I I like I'm it. enjoying rereading I listened recently to 15 by Beverly Cleary uh-huh. which is one of my favorite books uh-huh. of all time you know what it's four hours long perfect mm-hmm. there's and something to be said for those short I just from when we a were book younger. that I've read. Um, I mean, I've read it four billion times, but I was like, "Oh, she's about to meet Stan." Stanley Crandall's his name. I don't know. It just it was just so fun. Yeah. And I just finished The Duchess of Bloomsbury Street, which is the sequel to Eighty Four Charing Cross Road. Okay, I have not read the sequel, and I listened to that too. Also, four hours. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it it is obviously it can't be as good as Eighty Four Charing Cross no, Road. No, but she makes her way to England. Finally, okay. and she sees the sights of London, and you know. Um, well, I'm going to read that. Yeah, now it's it's good. So, so. well, anyway, thank you guys for spending time with us and listening to us talk about what we've read lately. And I hope you will listen to our next um, <laughs> shelf absorbed, where we have a theme. We have a secret theme. A secret theme. I hope you're jazzed yeah. about that. I hope you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah. So we will be talking with you guys later. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.